0: Lesson four in our discipleship project, and um, I I really, truly um, have appreciated all that I've gone through and studied in this lesson, and I believe that um, we will enjoy our lesson tonight. Amen. We'll enjoy our lesson tonight. We've been talking about practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect, and um, if we will practice... Things will become more perfected in our lives. Um, When you think about it, uh, when you think of a a great athlete, um, they're the best of the best professionals. And, you know, they're great in what they do, but they still practice. They still practice. All of these great athletes, they still practice. And you would say, wow, you're the best of the best. Why do you need to practice? But they're constantly trying to perfect their talent constantly trying to perfect what they do. And so tonight, we will think about practice of the Word of God, living for Jesus Christ. If we practice this, we will become perfect in it. Not perfect, meaning that there was no issues and no faults and no flaws, but perfect, meaning complete. Perfect, meaning complete. And so, the lesson, big idea tonight is because we are called... To be righteous, we must practice spiritual disciplines as a body of Christ. Because we are called to be righteous, we must practice spiritual disciplines together as a body of Christ. And so we've entitled our lesson tonight, A Community of Devotion. A community of devotion. Our scripture focus tonight is in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 46, um, a, a, a verse of scripture that I always enjoy reading because I believe it's essential to who we are as a people of God and what God expects of us. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, this was the, uh, the day at Pentecost. Um, the gospel had been preached. People had received the Holy Ghost, and now Peter's ministering to them, telling them about um, that they crucified the Lord, and so they were pricked in their heart, and 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 they asked Peter, "What shall we do?" And Peter told them, "Was to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ." For the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he went on and says for the promises unto you and to your children and to all them that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so he's running all these things down and then he's telling them how they must continue once they get saved. And it talked about the Lord added to the church. But in verse 46 in Acts chapter 2, the word of the Lord says, and they continuing... Daily with one accord in the temple. So it means that they continued daily in the building that they call the temple, which we would call the church building, and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. We will dig into that scripture a little bit more, but I want to share this with you about the Yang family, the Yangs, the Yangs. The Yangs felt like something was missing. I don't know about you. If um, you have lived your life, at some point you find yourself saying something was missing. Before I got saved, I remember Um, I felt like life was great. I had a nice car. I lived at home, but I had the basement all, you know, nice and mapped out for myself. You know, I kept money in my pocket. I can go wherever I wanted to. I lived the way that I wanted to. And so life was great. But I just remember some nights when I laid in my bed on my back and I'm just like, something is missing. And I don't know about you, if you've had any experience in your life where you just felt like something is missing. And so the Yangs felt like that, that something is missing. So the Yangs are the typical millennial professional couple. Um, He is a coffee shop entrepreneur. She is a managing partner in a small accounting firm. In the evening, Sunny, who is the wife, also does the book's for Jason's coffee shop and roastery, their baby Eli is now three years old and is the joyful consumer of every spare moment. Business is good, careers are good, family is good. Yet something is missing. What is missing? Is it the meaning of life? Is it faith? Uh, let's look a little closely and see what they thought it was. So. They, they looked at what's their meaning, and so beyond the love they shared between each other and for their son, what are and also what they are accomplishing, they feel like something was missing. Why do their lives matter? Such question frequently peppered Jason and Sonny's conversation once Eli is asleep for the night. They they feel like something was missing. Then they started wondering, is it their faith? Thus, the Yangs decided to visit nearby churches because they wanted to know, was it just lack of not having faith, not having God in their life? So they decided to visit nearby churches and see if the missing element in their lives may be fulfilled by faith. And so they searched and the search went forward. First, they searched online. So always remember that. Um, nowadays, people will search online before they go to churches, and so it's important that we, as a church, also make sure our online present is well, well represented. And so they searched online where they began all their research. Jason located some interesting sites, and Sonny, his wife, located some others. As they compared notes, they agreed on the first two congregations they would visit on their search The first congregation was interesting. The music wasn't that great. The building was just average, and the man who gave the final speech was hardly engaging. Yet, the people were incredible. From the moment the Yangs arrived on the property, various individuals greeted them. As they entered the building, the engagement continued. People weren't pushy, but many were genuinely interested in them. The connections were really impacting yet no one impacted no no more impacting than the relationships that they experienced in their neighborhood. We probably need to make a point of that, that when people come to church, the church has to do something more than what's being done with their friends, with their neighbors. They are looking for something more than that because if they weren't looking for something more than that, they would just hang in their community and talk to their friends and hang out with their buddies. So if they come to the church, it means everything that they are doing in their life It's still not suffice to them. They're looking for something more. So the church is supposed to provide more than what they currently have in their life. Jason and Sonny's second church visit was entirely different. The music was incredible. The building, while not extravagant, was obviously well maintained and valued. All of the speakers um, during the service had a unique charisma about them, they were inspiring, they were um, full of energy. And the main message seemed to offer the kind of meaning the Yangs were looking for. Yet, no one spoke to them, not in the parking area, not in the eatery area, not in the main auditorium. In fact, at one point, Eli, their little three-year-old son, became restless and Sonny took him to an area in the back designed for children. Luckily, there was great signage because no one even offered to assist Sonny in locating the area. How could there be such inspiration from the stage but seemingly no inspiration for one-on-one relationships? Neither of these experiences felt like what Jason and Sonny needed in their lives. We'll pick back up with them right at the end. In our Western world, our natural tendency is to view things as individuals. Individualism is our first nature. Community falls a distant second. However, the church established by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ practice community as their primary nature. So the church was always about Togetherness. It was always about us. It was never about you. That's what the church was always about. That's how Christ established the church, a a community, a group of people, not an individual. And so we need to keep that in mind as we go through our study tonight. As disciples of Jesus, they followed him together. They listened to him together they witnessed his miracles together. Together they heard him command to wait in Jerusalem, and together they watched as he ascended into heaven. Together they waited for the promise in the upper room. Together they prayed, and while they remained together, they were first filled with the heavenly gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yet... So much of what modern disciples pursue is viewed as independent. So the question we must ask ourselves is, are we living for God in an independent manner or are we living for God together? It is easy to allow Western individualistic culture to bleed into our discipleship practices. As independent people, we are As independent people, we rally around Jesus as our personal Savior, and that is just not our Savior's design. So it's not just Jesus' design that you're the only one that comes around him. As we search the scripture for our practices rather than common culture, we find that discipleship happens together. Discipleship happens together. We are in this thing together. We're going to grow together. We're taught together. Uh, The things of God will happen together. And so it's a together thing that the Lord Jesus Christ instituted faith for, not individualistic things. Why do you think discipleship happens together? Something to think about. Why do you think that discipleship is a together thing and not an individual thing? That's something to think about. In the book of Ephesians the apostle Paul illustrated the fivefold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. He made it clear that the description for these includes specific outcomes, particularly equipping the saints s for the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ until such time that we all we all are unified in faith and mature in Christ. So even when you read through scripture, you see the apostle Paul is teaching. He's teaching us about togetherness. While Paul noted the importance of growth of every part, there is a greater emphasis on the growth of the entire body. Can I tell you this? That, uh, when you're ministering and leading the church and you're pastoring the church, um, you can look out at the pastor and see some people growing and you see others kind of, you know, stable and not moving and others, you know, you're, you're hoping that they will grow. And so... Uh, as, as much as you're excited and happy for the ones that you see are growing, you're still concerned about the ones that are still kind of stagnant and concerned about the ones that are, you know, kind of behind and trying to catch up. And so uh, sometimes as pastors, what we're challenged with is not to be so focused on the ones that you want to catch up and the ones that are stagnant that you want to move forward and neglect the ones that are growing. So that's the juggling act. That's the balance that all pastors have to kind of think about that you want to make sure you want everyone to grow together. But most of the times it's not working that way. But tonight we're studying about growth and how it works and devotion to God that it's done together and not as an individual. And so hopefully what I'm saying tonight, we will try to help each other because when we're together, we can look around and we can help each other. We can look around and realize that, you know what, I don't see so-and-so as often. I need to, you know, try to pull them along. We can look around and say, you know, so-and-so, you know, seems to be struggling. I need to be able to help them along. We don't need to be embarrassed of helping one another because if you go and look in the scriptures, the Lord is concerned about togetherness. He's not concerned about you being on your own. Well, he is concerned about that because if you're on your own, you're in trouble. What they say, and when 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 a, when a wolf attack a pack of sheep, or maybe it's the other way around. When it, well, it's the right way. When a wolf attack um, the, the the sheep, what he tries to do, he can't beat the whole pack, so he tries to draw one away, lure you away. And when he get the one sheep to to the side, that's when the wolf attack. But if 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 the sheep stay within the group, the wolf never attack. And so we can't afford to be By ourselves, we can't afford to be individuals because you will be easily attacked. And sometimes when we get attacked and we get wounded, what we do is stay away. So no one knows we've been attacked and wounded. Listen, I'm like most of you. When you're going through something, you don't want to be around anybody. That's not good. That's not good. When you're going through something, you need to pray, God, give me strength. And you need to push yourself to get around others because you don't have to tell them your business. But what's great about God is I'm going through something and I push myself and I didn't and I didn't stay home. And guess what? God is going to send you, Bob, to just come and say, it's good to see you today. And, 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 and my mind has been on you and I'm praying for you. As, as a matter of fact, let me just pray with you right now. And you start praying with me. If I stayed home, that had no hope of happening no chance of happening. So we can't be solo in how we relate and how we live for God and how we're discipled. Not too long ago, the the Zika virus impacted North America. One of the sad effects of the virus on newborns was disproportionate growth of certain parts of the infant's body. Thus, Expectant mothers were directed towards additional precautions against the virus affecting their unborn child. Society easily recognizes that growth of the entire body, talking about the physical body now, takes place uniformly, all part growing at the same rate. Likewise, we expect uniform growth socially you know how we have our social agendas and 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 now along, nowadays we hear people say stuff like we we've come a long way and so you know we 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 shouldn't you know think that way anymore and we shouldn't say things like that anymore because we've come such a long way the, the key i want you to focus there is we like to say as a society we've come a long way we have, we, we we have come past those kind of behavior and those kind of conversations. we say that all the time so it, it is, it is, it is it's something about that that we always claim to feel like we should grow as a society together. We're always looking to grow together, to move past things together. And so as a church body, as, as the body of Christ, as a congregation, we ought to grow together. Togetherness. And so we need to look around and try to bring each other along Encourage one another, pick each other up. I will say this, one of the things I've learned about um, our satellite Bible college, CSTI, man, I think that the greatest thing about that, I mean, yes, the greatest thing is that we're learning the word of God. But the second greatest thing is the togetherness, togetherness. And so we got to appreciate the togetherness the Lord's desire and design is that the entire church matures together. The growth of one disciple should inspire and provoke another. Now, I will say this, we're, supposed to, we're not supposed to compare ourselves with each other, but we certainly should look around and say, wow, you know, uh sister so-and-so is doing pretty good. I-, I need to step my game up a little bit. As a matter of fact, I was listening, Brother Darrell, to um Chris Carter talk on his radio program this morning. He said um, back when he was playing, so it was him and Jerry Rice and Michael Irvin, these were the best wide receivers in the NFL at the time, and they found out after they retired what they used to do. So Jerry Rice played on the East Coast. Chris Carter played um, um, East Coast. Jerry Rice played on the West Coast. Chris Carter played on the East Coast, and then he went um, Central. And then uh, Michael Irvin was um, Central. He was in Dallas. And so depending on what time their game were, one would play, and, and they would hear you know, uh, Chris Carter had you know, nine catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns. And Michael Irvin would say to his wife, hey, Chris went off today. He had like eight catches, nine catches, 135 yards, two touchdowns. I better get that or better. He didn't have a problem with Chris. That was just good competition that they had among themselves to say, if we're the elite, if we're the best of the best, then, you know, we we, we should all have the same kind of thing going. So if he's dominating, I should dominate. And so we can have that as Christians. We're not comparing ourselves with one another. We're just saying, I'm watching you do well, and I'm just so encouraged by what you're doing that I'm inspired that I can do as well, too. And we should do that. We, we shouldn't sit back and, and, and just frown and say, well, whatever. They were doing that for money and for fame and for reputation, and that's it. What we're doing here is for eternity, what we're doing here is going to impact lives even if the Lord tarry for decades. And so it should be okay to look around and says, and tell each other sometimes, I just appreciate how you're living for God. I just appreciate what you've been doing. Like, like Stacy and Izzy, I just appreciate how consistent you two have been since you decided you're going to give your life to God and you're going to settle down. I appreciate the consistency you have shown. Right. And I hope others of us will look around and say, man, Stacey and Izzy don't miss. It must be something if they miss because they're always here. And you start saying, I can't miss. That's how we inspire one another. This is why the Lord designed for the body of believers to be together so we can inspire one another. It's not for us to be by ourselves. It's for us to inspire one another. The body grows as every individual part grows. We don't want part of it to be strong and other part not to be strong. We want the body to be strong all together. And every part experiences growth as it is connected to the body. But more than uh, theoretical growth, we see the clear example of discipleship happening together in the early church. So again, what we are trying to do is mimic Uh, We were just watching some preaching earlier um, with one of the uh, the preachers that we um, was listening to last week when I was at conference. And what he was saying, which is so true, is what we have here today, we didn't get from man. This this life that we're living, this life called Christianity, this, this faith that we believe in, how we're conducting ourselves, it's not made up by men. This is not some, some really smart idea. This was God doing what he does to help man know him, get a relationship with him, and spend eternity. So we have to stop and say, why are we doing this anyway? What is this all about anyway? And we have to settle in our heart that this is something God instituted for all of us so we can have relationship with him, so we can be saved, and that one day we will spend eternity with him, and there will be no more of the stuff that we've gone through here on this earth. So this is a God thing. God instituted this. Man didn't come up with this. It wasn't a bright idea by Einstein. It wasn't a great idea by our forefathers. This was all God from the very beginning. The early followers accepted together nature of discipleship. Uh, If we really want to dig deep, we will see one of the things that were successful about the early church is they spent a lot of time together. And so with us and technology, we have spent less time together. I don't, I don't know, it might, must have been, I don't know, it got to be Geico, because only Geico do the crazy commercials. And so I, I was watching a Geico commercial, I believe, where the kid, it was showing how we just don't do anything anymore. And so the kid is sitting down, and he wanted his grandmom to do something, he called her on the phone. She's like like behind him, and he's calling her on the phone. And everything that he wants done, he just sits right where he is, and he gets it done. And so no communication is necessary. Just do everything on your phone and you can communicate that way. Uh, we got to do better than that. I'm, I'm still old school on that. I've always felt this way, that if I talk to someone face-to-face, it's going to be different than me emailing you, texting you, or whatever. Even talking to you on the phone, I still feel better talking to you face-to-face, body language, everything. I, I need that because I feel like that, it, my message did not get distorted face-to-face, but we can get our message distorted if we talk over the phone, if we send a text message, if we send an email, if we do emojis, we can always get it distorted. But if we come face-to-face, there is no way to get it distorted. This is why people can speak different languages and can be in love face-to-face. And so it's very important that we understand togetherness and what it means. And not because society has decided that, you know what, we're busy, we're always doing something, that we're going to take up that whole deal and just just not be together and just tell each other we're busy. Listen, I thought about this, this um, not long ago, so it's amazing that this is the lesson tonight. I thought about this. We're all, we're all working to go to heaven together. So really, we're going to spend more time together than anything else. If we don't learn to get along with each other right now, I guarantee you, if you can't get along with people right now, I'll guarantee you're not going to heaven. I, I'm just telling you, because we're going to be in heaven for eternity. We can't comprehend eternity. And so if the little bit of time we're down here, just think, most of us will probably know each other for, what, 20, 30 years? I mean, 40 years spending time with each other? I mean, that's all. And if we're struggling with that, how are we going to make it in heaven together? So it's important that we get used to spending time together, not make excuses. The only thing that makes relationship better is time. What they say, absence make the heart grow fonder? I don't know what that's all about. You be absent and the heart will grow fonder to somebody else. <laughs> you believe that if you want to be absent, talking about absent one day you're gonna roll up on the scene and you're like, Why are you kind of weird like that? Because you've been away. Somebody else is going on. I still love you and all, but you know, you're not around. old school song. You all don't know this because it's not even cool. It's not even by any, 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 any of your famous rappers or anything. But um, I used to have this guy, this musician guy. He's a black guy but he sang a lot of not black songs at the tap room in in Princeton. And so his name was Lovey Williams. That was really his name, Lovey Williams. And he said, always sing this song, Cheryl. If you can't be with the one you love, honey, love the one you're with. Lovey Williams, we we can't be absent from one another. We need to be with one another and keep loving one another because it's the time that you spend together that makes, when you ask, I guarantee you, listen to this, I guarantee you I'm not going to let them talk because they'll talk, they'll just take over the service if I let them talk. But I guarantee you if you ask the Thomases and they want to be honest to us, I guarantee you they'll tell you they love each other more today than they did 30 years ago i guarantee it i don't have to ask you because that's what love does love the the more you're you're loving someone the stronger it's getting the more time you spend together the stronger it's getting and sometimes you might even you might not even notice it that it's getting better but trust me just give it time and you'll see you'll finish each other's sentences you'll you can't do without one another all kind of things so Trust me, the only way this thing is going to work with Jesus is to spend time with him and the people that are spending time with him as well because we're all going to the same place. We love our families and we're supposed to love our families, but there's some of our relatives that's not going to make it to heaven. As sad as that is, I mean, we better do everything we can to point them in the right direction, but unfortunately, there's some of our relatives that will not make it and there's going to be people that is not your blood relative that's going to make it the lord added to the church the pentecostal experience was not to leave individuals alone in their experience rather the experience added individuals to the body of christ his church so when when the first person got saved the lord didn't just leave it at the first person He just kept on reaching others, reaching others. The body keeps growing because people are being added to the body of Christ. So this is about togetherness, and it's about a lot of people. It's not about individuals. We can't allow ourselves to break off in in an individual situation. We have to become comfortable with togetherness. When Luke penned these words, he recognized the community of disciples that had existed all along. They were together learning from Jesus. They were together when he ascended into heaven. They were together when his spirit first fell. And they would remain together as new disciples were added to the church. It was assumed and accepted that this new experience would be developed in lives just as Jesus' previous teaching was developed in lives. Discipleship happens together. That should be notes in your book. Discipleship happens together. We even witness community at the original outpouring of the spirit on the day of Pentecost. Look at on the day of Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's the word of God. The first outpouring of the Holy Ghost was a community experience. It was, it was 120 people in an upper room praying together, and the Spirit of the Lord fell, and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues, other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. They received the Spirit together while praying together. Indeed, together remains the primary way new disciples received their first Holy Ghost in filling. Now, while that's true, it's not 100% true. A newly repented woman was praying alone in her car while driving. She began to feel the presence of God and pulled off to the side of the road to continue to pray. When she did, she was filled with the Holy Ghost right there in her car on the side of the roads. She spoke with other tongues. So we can receive God's spirit by ourselves. But when you go through scripture, you'll see more people receive God's spirit together than People received it by themselves. While individuals experiences, individual experiences in the Holy Ghost can and do happen, we realize the Holy Ghost outpouring occurs most often when disciples are together. Our experience parallels the disciples experience on the day of Pentecost. Prior to that day, the twelve disciples were accustomed to learning together in the presence of Jesus. Continuing in that custom, the same disciples ministered together to the crowd on that day. Peter stood to speak with the eleven. It was not just the experience that took place in community. Their following ministry also took place in community. Peter did not just go rogue once he received the message. In fact, he could not. Why? Because he stood with other disciples who were trained along with him at the feet of Jesus. Ministry in community is ministry that is both supported and made accountable by fellow disciples. When we receive what we receive from the Lord, we're supposed to practice it together. Ministry together allows... Listen up. Ministry together allows accountability to follow disciples which in turn unifies our faith. The, one of the biggest things about togetherness is accountability. It also, as you will hear in a minute, it also helps us to understand each other and what's going on. So when we don't come together, we shun our responsibility to be accountable to one another. Accountability is important. Remember what I say? I say this all the time, that if you want to help, if you need help doing something, don't think it, speak it. So if you need help, say you, you, you want to pray more. I need to pray more. Don't say it to yourself and leave it there. Say, Sharon, I want to pray more. I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like I pray enough every day. So I want you to ask me every day, how did I do yesterday? And so once I say it, guess what? When I'm tired and don't feel like praying, Sharon is going to ask me. Mm -hmm. I decided the other day, as busy as I am, that I have to, um, I used to do this and then I got busy and I didn't do it as much because I'm constantly studying. But I told myself that, no excuse Wayne, my personal relationship with Jesus Christ is separate from me studying and praying and seeking the Lord to minister to you. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, me just, you know, trying to lump it together because I'm studying to minister to you and, and thinking that I don't have to do other things separate from that, not good for me. Because this will just become a job, it will become something I do and not be spiritual. It will be something I do without relationship with Jesus Christ. So I have to make sure my relationship with Christ is something separate than what I do when I come before you. And I don't mean separate meaning two different things, but just meaning that I have to do that in addition to what I do. And so I decided that on Tuesdays I have to pick a day where I have devotion with my family. And I said, I'm going to start doing devotions on Tuesday, even if it's for just 20 minutes I'm doing devotion. And I really recommend and encourage you that you do devotion in your home. Pick a day of the week that works best for you and your family. I don't care if it's just you and your kid. I don't care if it's just you and your sister. I don't care if it's just you and your son, you and your daughter. It doesn't matter who it is. If it's just you and your spouse, pick a day. If it's you by yourself, pick a day to say, this is my devotional time where I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the word of God, see what I get out of it and take notes on what I just read, how I comprehended. Hey, these kids at second grade and first grade, that's what they're doing, man. They're reading in second grade like crazy and they have to write like little reports on what they're that's extra work for me and my wife. Help us, Jesus. But the point is they're doing that so they can learn secular education which they need and i support that and i'm going to work with them with that but what we're trying to obtain is for eternity and so we need to set aside time where we pray and seek the lord and 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 read scripture and take notes of what we read and what it's saying to us try to do that try to do that and share with one another uh what's your um um devotion day what's your devotional day um Dr. Jeffers friend of mine um I appreciate this I appreciate um men of God in my life and um he would he he used to ask me so what you been reading man of God So if you're not into reading your Bible constantly and you get around Dr. Jeffers he's going to say so what you been reading and if you you haven't been reading then you kind of look like uh no so we need to we need to do that for one another. What you been reading? What you got in scriptures lately? And then I have as you know brother Coon, that's my elder that keeps me in check. He texts me the other day. He says he says um I just been thinking about you. I'm checking on you. What's going on? And I give him no, the you know, I'm good, blah 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 blah. And um I mentioned something to him he said, "You know, I've I've got I've got I'm going to help you with that situation there. And he says, just give me a few days. I'm going to get back in touch with you, but I got to help you with that situation. I said, okay, but I didn't call him. He called me. And so, but that's what happened when we connect with each other. And we spend time together you will, people will call you up out the blues hey and 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 begin to minister to you and you wouldn 't believe you don 't know and, and, and it just comes out the blues, but the only way you 're going to experience those things is by sharing yourself with others. If you stay to yourself, you cut off what can really happen spiritually. You you want someone to call, because here's the story. A lot of time we want God to talk to us and we feel like God is not talking to us, but you have a situation and you didn't tell anybody about it and all of a sudden out of the blues somebody calls you and says, hey, is everything alright? And you say, well, you know how we like to, yeah, it's okay. And then you just begin to say, well, I feel like, you know, you know I need to share something with you. And you begin to share something that that person is just like, I didn't say anything to anybody. Then you know the Lord is helping you. You know, you know the Lord is helping because you know you had no conversations, not even with your spouse. And how is this person knowing this? But that takes you interacting with others, spending time with others, understanding that we're not in this alone. We we don't do this together. Another interesting thing we witnessed in Acts chapter two in community is conviction. Conviction. Listen to the scripture in 237. Now, when they heard this, which was that Jesus was Lord and they crucified him. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Being together with a group of disciples brings heightened awareness of our spiritual need. I'll say that again. Being together with a group of disciples, Christians, whichever way you want to call it, brings heightened awareness of our spiritual need. Again, we're not in competition with one another, but when we get together, you might glimpse over, you see somebody doing something and you realize, you know what, I need to do that too. But if we're not together, you don't have that conviction that you need to do something. You just be like, just going on and going on. It's important that we come together constantly. Of course, discipleship do not always appreciate such awareness. There are times when we have made a mistake. And our flesh tells us to stay away from the body of Christ, the church. We sometimes, fears, we sometimes fear conviction. We don't want to feel convicted. Remember what I said. Conviction comes from God. Conviction comes from God. When you feel convicted of something you did wrong, that's the Lord. When you feel condemned about doing something wrong, that's from the devil. So if someone, if you feel, if a thought comes in your mind and says, you're just the worst. You're just the worst. You'll never get it together. That's condemnation. You're the worst. You can never get it together. That's condemnation. Why that's condemnation? Because that gives you no hope. Jesus Christ says in his word, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. The word of God says, for when I am weak. Then is he strong in my life? So he would never tell me that I'm worthless and I'm useless and I'll never do good and this. Will, he will never tell me that because he created me and he gives me hope. His spirit is always working in my life. So he will never tell me that. But he will convict me and say, "You know that was wrong. You need to get it together." He will convict me and say, you, need, you know you need to do that because what you're doing is not right. He will always tell us what to do to get it right. That's conviction. Conviction say, what you're doing is wrong, do what's right. That's conviction. Condemnation just leave you in a state of, you're just the worst. And Jesus will never leave you there. So conviction is important and we get that when we come together and, and spend time together. This is exactly the wrong thing to do. We don't stay away from the body when we're convicted. Together with other disciples, we can receive answers to our dilemmas as these apostles and men of God did. But more than answers, when we are together with other disciples, we can find forgiveness and change as we are willing to respond. When we respond, change happens. Remember I told you two most important things. In a church service, everything's supposed to be important that is that transpires in a Christ-centered um, service. But the two most important thing is the preaching of the word of God and the response to the preaching of the word of God. Right? Those are the two most important things. There's nothing more important than those two things in a church service. The church service, the preaching of the word of God and our response. ...to the preaching of the Word of God. This is what the church called traditionally as an altar call. I don't say it all the time when I get done preaching come to the altar... ...but everyone is supposed to do something to respond to the Word of God. For the Word that I speak is not my own Word. It's the Word of God. And if God speaks to you, will you respond to Him? Being together with the body of Christ helps us to be more aware of God's presence which will mend our broken hearts and strengthen us. Sometimes we can be together, and this is, this is, this is really good. Um, the Lord can move on one person in the congregation just to start with. And so we can be assembled here together. And I remember we, we always have joking, jokes in Pentecost. And so everybody responds to the Holy Spirit differently, right? And so we had people that responded differently. So you had some people, this is how they responded to the Holy Spirit. So just that we're all here, and we're praying, and you feel like there's nothing going on. And one person starts feeling the Holy Spirit. One, just one, not you, just one. That one person starts like this, Cheryl. <laughs> the hand comes up, and before, you know, the hand goes up like this. And you're looking around like, now what is wrong with that person? Nobody else is doing that. And then they're going like this, and then now they start shaking their head. They start moving. But what will happen all of a sudden? You see another person start moving. And another person start moving. And the spirit just move like that. I never forgot one day the Lord showed me. That's me. Because sometimes you wonder about some weird things that happen in church when you don't know. And so here's something weird. That's weird. When nobody else is moving and one person is doing like this and you're wondering, what in the world? And before you know it, you know, and you're like, what in the world? But then other people start doing it. And one day at a church picnic, I lit the fire and one charcoal was white, meaning that was the only one hot. And then the other one that it was touching started getting white and hot and it started going around. Before you knew it, the whole thing was now all the charcoals was hot and white. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, that's how I do sometimes. I just touch one person and that one person will allow my spirit to just move in the place. I don't have to touch everybody at the same time. I can touch one. And as I move on to one, then it, I just begin to move on everybody. And so that's, again, another reason why we should come together. Because you know what? Here's how it works sometimes. We can all be together. We can all have, like right now, our minds are in different places. <laughs> Y'all think I don't know sometimes? That you're just here just, you know, being polite but your mind is on a whole lot of things some of you working the phones all all kinds of things are going on and so and so and so we come together and our minds are in different places but maybe just one person that day is locked in and everybody else is doing something one person locked in but guess what when they start doing that crazy stuff and you you stop looking on your phone you stop doing what you're doing like is he okay? And he start going like this. You stop looking at your phone. You see what I mean? And that's how God worked. He's trying to reach all of us, but at the time, none of us was ready for him to reach but one. So he just touched that one, and before you know it, he, he gets your attention. And so now that he gets your attention, you start doing, oh, Lord. And you think, what is wrong with me? I don't do like that. But, but that's just the way it works. You now started focusing on the Lord, so you started getting touched. But you couldn't get touched before because you was on the phone. I'm telling you, that's how it works. I've been, I've been in this a little bit to understand how it works. I've seen it. Huh? And so that's why it's important that we come together. Because when we come together, you might come just out of obedience because that's just what we do. But that day, somebody came desperate. And they came so desperate that they they looking around. As a matter of fact, I'll give it to you even straight. They come so desperate that every little word you say that distract them, they look around with an attitude. Can you be quiet? Can you stop doing that? I'm trying to get Jesus. And you're doing all that stuff. And God will touch that person because they're hungry. And before you know it, they're acting like crazy. And you're like, what is wrong with them? But then your turn comes. And before you know we go home that night and Christian people, that's what we do. We go home and we in the kitchen or wherever we are and says, what happened in that place tonight? You, you saw Bob. What was wrong with his arm while he was doing this? And then all of a sudden I started doing it. That's the kind of conversation Christian people have when they get home. When something weird goes on, when God did something, that's the kind of conversation we have when we get home. What happened here? You come back. Next service, just like, all right, let's see what's going on here. What's in store next? All right, let me finish up. But even beyond spiritual conviction, practical involvement together makes us aware of our shortcomings. It is the ongoing engagement with others that provoke us to practice love as a disciple should. Interactions with others open frequent opportunities for offense. Here's another thing. This is a good one. So sometimes coming together makes us offend one another. And you might think that's a bad thing. Uh huh. But sometimes you got to get offended to see that you had an issue with something. But if you stay by yourself, you would never know you had an issue. And that same issue can sink you deep, 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 in you, you just thought, but I'm a good person. And how can this? Well, you had a little issue, and the only way you were going to know you had the issue, you was together, and God allowed somebody to irritate you. And when they irritated you, you behaved unseemly that you didn't like how you behave, And you're like, "What is? where did that come from? Well, the Lord allowed us to be together, and somebody irritated you, and you had to know, well, that's the area of my life I need to fix. Remember I told you, anyone that said they're a Christian but stay home, they can't be a Christian because that's selfish. Yeah, because, because you wouldn't even believe that your, 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 uh, your instruction from God that day was just to irritate somebody. Now God didn't tell you that because you don't even know you're doing that. Okay? Uh, it is very important to understand that we need the body of Christ. We need the body of Christ. When we embrace discipleship and community, we open ourselves to doctrine, fellowship, food, and prayer within the concerned care of the body. Even the great apostle Paul confessed his value of and need for discipleship and community. In, in, in Romans 1 and 11, he says, For I long to see you, this is the Apostle Paul talking to all the disciples, all the saints of God, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both you and me to uh, have. And so we we need to, every one of us, it doesn't matter how awesome you are, how powerful a man of God you are, how powerful a woman of God you are, we need comfort and we need to be a part of the body because it's what helps us to grow. All And all that believe were together in all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. That's Acts chapter 2, 44, 45. Um, Let me finish up here. Practicing our discipleship among other disciples makes us aware of their needs. And before we can minister to others to other needs we first must be aware of them sometimes some people among us are struggling and probably need help in some area but because we're not together we never understand that and able to help one another if i'm around you i'll give you a good example if i'm around you and we go out to get a bite to eat and you first of all we're trying to go out to get a bite to eat and i said come on bob we're going to get a bite to eat and you said no i'm okay you know what i'm going to do the first thing i'll take care of it you don't have to say anything else. I'll take care of it. Because, you know, maybe he don't have it and he don't want to get into all that. But if he's never around, he will never get to experience the, the fellowship of eating together because he's saying, I don't have any money, so I uh, no, no, just come on. Okay? I'll take care of it. And he might say, okay. And guess what? We never discussed money. He never had to feel like, you know, he had to say to me, I just didn't have it. We didn't have to go through that. I just told him, come on. Yeah. So, so, but we got to be around one another in order to experience these things. Discipleship in community extends beyond a given day or location. So it's not just Thursdays when we come together. It's not just Sundays when we come together. We have to get together other times and spend time with each other. I am closing. The Yangs that we talked about earlier. The Yangs continued their search for church. Coming over the various church website earlier, they discovered, though they were, though there were websites that were better crafted and more user friendly, there was one that continued to grab their attention. They liked the things they read, though they really didn't understand all of the specific beliefs. They also liked the material in some of the online audio session. Yet overall, the attraction they were feeling toward that church wasn't clearly definable by either of them. So they decided to check out the service. When the Yangs arrived, various people greeted them warmly and even paid attention to Eli, their three-year-old son. Remember him? As they entered the building, there was more of the same. They were getting a feeling of connectedness. They hadn't experienced previously, but Did this congregation offer them meaning? Remember, they started out looking for meaning because everything else was good. The music proved to be a little better than average, but there was something very moving in the songs. Sunny was so moved during one of the songs, she found herself holding back tears. When the congregation was invited to give in an offering, everyone moved around the small meeting space. When they did it, It seemed like most of the people stopped to introduce themselves and welcome Jason and Sonny to the service. It was heartwarming and more than they had known in their neighborhood friendship. That church gave them more than what the neighborhood provided. As the main speaker presented the information from the Bible, Jason and sonny both were drawn to the to the passage of scripture and when the minister offered ways to respond to the message jason particularly felt the need to act something was different there something was compelling something felt like it might provide the meaning they needed after the service concluded various people talked with the yangs as they made their way to their car Eli fell fast asleep on the drive home. As Eli slept, Jason and Sonny shared their experiences. Both felt possibilities for faith. Both thoroughly enjoyed the camaraderie offered to them, and they agreed completely they were going back to that church. I close with this scripture, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. It start off in verse 23 by saying, let us, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Let us, it didn't say let me, it says let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promise. And let us, this is verse 24, consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. 25, final verse, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So let us, let us, and let us not forsake assembling ourselves together as the manner of some are. So some people are not assembling together. The scriptures say, let us not do that. But let us exhort one another, okay? Build up one another. So much the more, even as we see the day approaching. Let's start putting more time in to spend time together. We're going to go to heaven together. We're going to grow in discipleship together. And the best way to help one another is spend time together. Any questions? Everybody all good? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your instructions tonight. We thank you Lord God for understanding. We thank you Lord God for knowledge and why are you coming in here trying to irritate people purposely? You don't know that that's what the Lord is going to use you to do that day.